The contents of the lab report are meant for educational purposes only and are not meant to be misconstrued as medical diagnosis or treatment advice. Today on the lab report, we're going to talk about fiber. Yeah, different types, food sources, and health benefits. (laughs) It's going to be awesome. The world of medicine can be challenging. Clinicians and patients are always looking for more options, more effective treatments, and in the end, more answers. Functional and integrative medicine focuses on addressing root causes of disease. Here at Genova Diagnostics, we've watched this field evolve and grow for over 35 years. We've not only adapted, we've led. Join us as we talk about functional medicine, laboratory testing, and optimizing health. Welcome to the Lab Report. When you go Kleenex, do you go with or without lotion? Oh, no lotion. It's gross, Although you can't really tell the difference, to be completely honest. You can when you try and clean your glasses with one. (laughs) Hello! Hey, Michael Chapman. Patty Devers! (laughs) What are you doing? What a surprise! How are you? I'm doing great. How are you, Michael Chapman? Oh, you know, I'm doing pretty good. That's great. Thanks for asking. This is The Lab Report. It's a podcast. Mm Mm-hmm. Where we talk about things like functional medicine, specialty lab testing, integrative therapeutics, and the like. And if you like this show, oh, I see, uh-huh. I see. <laughs> see what I did there? <laughs> that was pretty good. <laughs> Maybe you should go to iTunes or Spotify and subscribe to the show. Rate, review, share with your friends, leave us some feedback, some stars, blah blah blah. If you have more feedback that mm-hmm. cannot be contained in those various mediums that Patty just listed, Whoa. you can send that feedback to podcast at gdx.net. That's our email address. Okay, on the same front of the slimy lotion Kleenex, right. trash bags uh-huh. that have a scent, scented trash bags, trash liners. Depends on the trash bag. Some scents, I don't mind. Others are a bit overwhelming. I'm guessing you don't like the scents. What do you think? I go nonsense. That's right. Oh, I see what you did there. <laughs> <laughs> anyway... Two buttons there. That, that was, was an Oliver cacophony. But I think his question is, what are we doing today? I think my question is, what would a room full of Olivers sound like? Fun. So that doesn't make any sense. 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 What are you on about? That's everything I hoped it would be. But to answer his question, Patty, what are we talking about? Well, we're going to talk about fiber, insoluble, insoluble, resistant starches. And really, it's in response to a lot of people have asked us. But most recently, we got an email from one of our listeners named Joanne. Shout out, Joanne, to really cover this topic of fiber. All right. So we have a lot of ground to cover. Yeah. It's more complex than you would think. It sure is. Um, And so we should stop dilly-dallying. Is that what we were doing? Dilly-dallying? I mean, it's important stuff, I would say. What? To dilly-dally? No, what we were doing before. Where, where did dilly dally come from? I don't know. How did we arrive with the phrase dilly dally? I should look it up. Yeah, we should Google it. I'm glad you're typing on this one. You're quick at this. You are not a dilly dallier when it comes to typing. And uh, we we want to get to the point is the deal. Except the song is the same. Got it. What do you got? Well, the base word dally. Mm came in from the old French hundreds of years ago. It meant to chat idly, which is kind of what we do, right? Mm -hmm. Then over time, dally picked up other meetings such as to toy with things or to spend time idly. But then in the mid-19th century, we get dilly-dally, which is kind of just an example of reduplication where you repeat the same form of a word but change the vowel like flip-flop, zigzag, mishmash, dilly-dally. Yeah. Reduplication? That's right. Ah, I like that. I like things that are reduplicated. Can we... 
can we re-triplicate things? <laughs> like dooly dilly dally? That's right. All right, enough lollygagging. Let's get into fiber. <laughs> well, I think when we're talking about fiber, it's helpful for us all to be on the same page to know that we're talking about that portion of plant-derived foods that can't be completely broken down by the human digestive enzymes, right? Yeah, that's right. And why can't we digest them? I mean, lots of animals can digest these things. Cows, ruminants, right? Why, why can't we digest them? I assume we lack some sort of enzyme. That's usually what the case is, right? Yeah, and in general, it's it's your body basically has to come up with other ways to break these things down and use them mm-hmm. short of these enzymes, things like being fermented by the bacteria or being mixed in with water and dissolved or stimulating mucin production to help break things down. Uh, yes, the good old microbiome. But that's mostly with fermentable starches, right? Fermentable carbohydrates. Right. And that's not all fibers. Nope. So it might be helpful then to, for us to break down the different types of fiber. And there's... It, it can be a little bit complex. We're going to try to keep this quite simple. I think we all would appreciate that. So what's, you know, when I think of fiber, the first thing I think about as far as type is soluble versus insoluble fiber. We get that question a lot. Mm-hmm. And it's really just talking about can it be dissolved in water or not? Quite simply. Ah, hence soluble. <laughs> well, that's tricky because it's not immediately intuitive that something is going to break down in water. Like sometimes it takes time, mm-hmm. right? Right. I mean, for example, like the cereal grape nuts. <laughs> Right? Those things are never breaking down. Do, Those, do, do they make grape nuts anymore? I, I don't know. I assume that grape nut sales are down. Well, but that's an assumption. Yeah. I think we all have had that experience, though, right? With the, grape nuts. Look, listen, the grape nuts is an experience because <laughs> it's one of the only cereals that everything sinks to the bottom. <laughs> and so you just have this milk and you go digging for the grape nuts. And you, it always shows up that like you poured way too much in there because the, it's like every spoonful. You're like, how is there more grape nuts in the bottom? <laughs> it's a lot of chewing. There can't possibly be more here. I've been eating for right. an hour. Are they duplicating down there? I don't know. I can't see them. <laughs> Yet there is soluble fiber in grape nuts. I couldn't tell you what's in grape nuts. I'm not even sure they still sell them. But I think the point is that when you have soluble fiber and it begins to dissolve in your GI tract, it can form this like gel-like substance, which then makes its way to your large intestine sure. to be easily fermented by bacteria. But the, when this gel is formed, uh-huh. which sounds kind of gross, right? But it's one, I mean, one of the reasons why people don't like taking fiber is right. because it's like you got to pour your fiber in the water and then you got to go real fast because it <laughs> solidifies quickly. But then the bigger point is that once it's in your GI tract and it forms this gel, there are varying degrees of viscosity that occur. And so mm-hmm. if you read about fiber somewhere in literature, they often talk about the viscosity factor of fiber because various forms of fiber become more viscous than others. Right. And so you can start to break down fiber into its main constituents. So with respect to like the soluble and fermentable fibers, we've got this group of viscous uh, fibers like that contain a lot of pectin. Uh, psyllium is a good example. Like psyllium is it definitely does that thing right. where you pour it into the glass <laughs> and it gels immediately. Yes. Um, there's galactomannans, glucomannans, things like that. And then on the flip side of it with the non-viscous, you've got resistant starch, you've got dextrin, you've got your inulin and your FOS, fructooligosaccharide. So, um, you know, those are different types of fermentable fibers, viscous versus non-viscous. Okay, well, that leaves the other huge bucket of fiber, the insoluble fiber, mm-hmm. which means it doesn't dissolve in water and therefore doesn't make that gel-like substance. But what happens is that it gets down to the large intestine and it's even there mostly unfermented by the microbiome. And I say mostly because some is fermented, but it's mostly 
unfermented and there are some that are never fermented. But okay. the reason they're in the microbiome is that they actually increase the bulk of the stool. They absorb water and hold water. If they're not being dissolved in it, they can absorb it and hold it and bulk up the stool. I see. I see. And a lot of these are plant cell wall type material, stuff like cellulose, hemicellulose. Uh, there's also things called arabinoxylans um, and lignins, which didn't we talk about lignins with the polyphenols? Different lignins. This one's an I-N. That one's an A-N. So it's lignins and lignans? Correct. What, is that another one of these reduplication things? <laughs> Dilly and dally, lignin and lignan. All right, well, then let's take a step back clinically and think about when you might use soluble fiber versus insoluble fiber. What's, what's the clinical benefit of one over the other? Well, I think insoluble fiber, because it's collecting water and bulking, what it actually does is it increases the transit. So some people use insoluble specifically to prevent constipation, mm -hmm. right, to keep things moving. But then you think about soluble fiber because it, it creates that gel-like substance mm -hmm. that it decreases absorption of things like fats and glucose. Some people use it for that reason to help, kind of help with glucose control and mm. specifics. But I think important to note, the microbiome requires both. Right, right. right. No, it's a great point. And then also, you know, for detoxification purposes, I think we tend to lean a little bit more on the insoluble fibers because they tend to bind up things. Mm -hmm. They tend to, we always use the sort of um, the brush or this, this sort of helps things to be swept down and swept along the GI tract uh, as a metaphor. So uh, I think about insoluble with respect to detox. Okay, so Michael, uh -huh. you, you threw out a lot of terms here of these fiber components. You talked about cellulose and xylan, and then you talked about pectin and lignin and lignan and, you know, all these different words. But the question I have then is, how does this translate to food? Well, it's a little bit tricky because when we're talking about food and food that has fiber, which most food does have fiber in it, uh, it's normally a combination of soluble and insoluble fibers in different proportions. You know, so some of these things we think of lean a little bit more heavily on the insoluble, others lean a little bit more heavily on the soluble. And it can even be different, you know, whether we're talking about like as in the case of an apple, the actual apple, what would you call that, meat? Mm. The meat? Versus the peel? The meat? Right, like coconut, like yeah. the inner part, you call it the meat. I don't what know if you, you call, call that the apple. What's the, the non-peel portion of the apple? The apple. Well, that, what? That it's doesn't make the it, apple. That doesn't make so you have a fruit called the apple, which consists of a core, a peel, and an apple. Yeah, well, look at a banana. Hmm. You call it, you call it a peeled banana. Right. So you call this a peeled apple. It's the apple. No, I, this we've got a problem here. We've got a well, big problem. Because if I went over to a friend's house, it's like, hey, man, can I have an apple? I'm like, sure, let me get that for you. He's not going to peel it and then give it to me. He's not going to take the core out, take the peel out, and then give me what's left. He's just going to hand me the apple in, in its entirety. Right. And then if they hand you a banana, what? Right. Exactly. Same thing. You don't call the inner part of the banana the banana. Well, what do you the call the inner part of the banana? the banana? What's the inner part of the banana then? Meat. <laughs> No, Patty, I just pulled it up. It's right here. It's Where? What? Parts of an apple. Just Google parts of an apple. It's the flesh. Oh. Not so different from the meat. What's, what are the parts of the banana? I assume the inner part's also called the flesh. Well, then why is coconut different? And why are we calling the inner things of this meat and flesh when they're fruits? Is coconut a fruit? 
Well, technically, a coconut can be all three, a fruit, a nut, and a seed. That's impossible. You can't be all three of those things. Sure you can. I think what I'm trying to say is that the apple contains both soluble and insoluble fiber. Well said. But it might be helpful to take a look at, because I mentioned there's different proportions of soluble versus insoluble in different foods. Right. What are some of the foods that we think of classically higher in proportion of insoluble fiber? Well, I think the one most people think about as it relates to insoluble fiber is something like wheat bran, mm -hmm. right? But the there are the food items that have the highest amount of insoluble fiber are things like black beans or peas or kidney beans and lentils, you know, the bean family, but also things like okra and turnips can also have a lot of insoluble fiber. Yeah, and it's funny, right? Because some of those things on that list are actually also high in soluble fiber, like turnips and things like that, potatoes. Um, but we think of soluble fiber, and a huge one that comes to mind is beans again. Mm -hmm. Black beans, lima beans, uh, very high in soluble fiber. Uh, think about things that are essentially fermentable, right? And that's when I think about soluble fiber. So, But I think it makes the point that the body needs both soluble and insoluble. Most of the foods you eat have both in them. All right, so we talked about the difference between soluble and insoluble fiber, and we've talked a little bit about the health benefits of fiber intake, at least as it relates to changes in transit time, helping to helping people become more regular, as they say. So what about what else? Why don't we dive into some of the other health benefits of uh, fiber? Well, I think when most people hear about fiber and the GI tract, we think about the microbiome, right? Uh, yeah. The way that the microbiome breaks fiber down, but then again, how the fiber can contribute to a healthier and more diverse microbiome. Right. So certain fibers, the ones in particular that are fermentable, ultimately are prebiotics in nature, right? They're a fuel source for the bacteria. The bacteria are acting on them. They're fermenting them. They're producing things as a result. And that helps to feed your commensal bacteria. And so if you have these prebiotic foods acting on probiotic bacteria, what results are postbiotic things like short-chain fatty acids, for example. Right. And there's lots of different types of short-chain fatty acids. There's butyrate, there's acetate, there's propionate, there's some others out there as well. And we talk a lot about N-butyrate as being a very important one of these short-chain fatty acids. And one of the ways to increase N-butyrate without taking it directly is through this action of fiber, i.e. starches, resistant starches, on gut bacteria. And we care about butyrate because it's the primary fuel source for all of our colon cells. Mm -hmm. And if you have inadequate levels, it's associated with poor colonic health. But we keep saying all the time that it, we need a variety of different fibers mm -hmm. to kind of feed specific bacteria to make things like butyrate. But there are some that are more important for butyrate production, things like resistant starches or FOS, fructooligosaccharides or mm -hmm. beta-glucan. These are some things you think about to increase your butyrate production. Yeah, and so the interesting thing about this is that different types of fibers and therefore prebiotics stimulate different types of bacteria, and then that changes the composition of the short-chain fatty acids that they're making. And some other bacteria use different short-chain fatty acids, so it's this whole interplay between the fiber types, the bacteria, and what they're making. It's for that reason that some probiotics actually have prebiotics in them. So mm -hmm. if you pick up your probiotic, you may see that some of the ingredi ingredients include things like inulin or fructooligosaccharides, FOS, but these can also be gotten from food. Yeah, and I think it gets to this point that might be confusing where we tend to think of fiber as like it's just one thing. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like get mm -hmm. your 20 grams of fiber and it looks like this. I would presume it looks something kind of... Uh, Fibrous. Fibrous, thank you. 
man, I was having a hard time there. I was picturing like a bale <laughs> of hay. I'm there to help you. Thank you. Um, and so what happens is that there's, there's lots of different types of fiber. You're laughing at the bale, bale of hay. Of hay. <laughs> so in the, in the mind of Michael Chapman, <laughs> when you think fibrous, you think bale of hay. Yeah. Or, Seriously. I mean, in the mind of Michael Chapman, it's basically tumbleweeds blowing around. <laughs> also very fibrous. <laughs> So it certainly has. The point that I'm trying to make is that fiber is not one thing. These things that we refer to as like inulin and resistant starch, FOS, celluloses, lignins, those are different fiber types. And so f- that's what we're talking about when we're talking about fibers, all of these different types of fiber that ultimately play different roles in the microbiome and elsewhere. So if there's one thing we've talked about on the show over and over, Michael, it's the fact that the microbiome is important in so many other systemic diseases, Uh right? So if we're going to optimize the microbiome of the GI tract using fiber, there's a lot of different systemic effects. And I think the first one that, you know, I touched on a little bit earlier was when you eat soluble fiber and it starts to become that gel Mm -hmm. of varying types of viscosity, it can interrupt the reabsorption of some sugar and some types of fats, which can help with glycemic control and Mm -hmm. hypertriglyceridemia. Right. Yeah, fiber can be beneficial in insulin resistance metabolics dysfunction for a, in a couple different ways. Uh, first and foremost, the action of fiber in the gut is going to lower the overall glycemic load. Um, it tends to improve satiety as well. So people actually are consuming on average less calories. And it also happens to be the case that um, short-chain fatty acids, which are made from the fermentation of fiber, have a direct action on insulin signaling as well and can help lower uh, metabolic dysfunction. Yeah, it's a reason diabetic patients are encouraged to consume more dietary fiber. What in the world Uh, is happening? Travis and I workshop the uh, question of the day alarm. (laughs) Make it stop. What time is it? Oh, you know what time it is. Question of the day, question of the day, question of the day, question of the day. Wait, what time is it? Oh, I think you know what time it is. Question of the day, question of the day, question of the day, question of the day. All right, question of the day, Patty Devers. Go ahead. Is how much fiber should we be getting? A lot. Mm. No. The American Heart Association says that, you know, on average 25 grams per day, but it also depends on age or sex. So women should get somewhere around 25 grams per day, but men anywhere from 30 to 38 grams per day. So the average American currently getting about 15. So we're not there yet. The bigger question I have. Yeah. Why do you think it is that men would need more fiber than women? Yeah, I actually had that question as well because it logically doesn't make any sense. So it seems to be the product of how we're calculating things. Uh, But ultimately, they're saying that in general, men need more calories. Hmm. And so when you have more calories, that equates to to more fiber by the trickle-down effect of fiber. Interesting. It's fuzzy math. But here's the other question I have. Is it possible to eat too much fiber? Well, it depends, Patty. <laughs> of course, it, de- it depends. Everything depends here. Mm-hmm. I think one of the most common problems we see clinically with too much fiber is people just generally feel uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. Um, and it can lead to higher production of gas, bloating, things like that. Um, maybe even cramping if you're really overdoing it on the fiber standpoint. So it can be improved with things like a- adequate hydration and exercise. Those are going to improve some of those signs and symptoms. But, you know, I think listening to your body is mm-hmm. first and foremost. So if you feel like you're 
developing some problems with having too much fiber. Probably Back a down. pretty rare scenario yeah. these days, but yeah. Um, yeah, you might consider altering your, your intake. But I have a question for you, Patty. What? How much is 25 grams of fiber? Like, I don't even know what that equates to. So you're asking me specifics? Like uh, it seems like a lot. Well, I would start with some grape nut cereal. I think that's a good place to start. And instead of eating white bread, switch to whole grain breads, you know, start thinking about things like increasing fruits like apples or salads and more vegetables in your diet. What if I'm gluten free? Eat a boatload of beans. Get your lentils in. I'm sensitive to lectins. Really? Mm. Sensitive to lectins. Uh You're really limiting the options here, Michael. I'm thinking you're going to have to just eat five apples per day. That sounds doable. You know, another thing that's interesting here is we commonly think of like salad as mm-hmm. being high in fiber because it's roughage. But like lettuce, it only has half a gram of fiber per so cup. You got to eat a lot of it. Well, it's probably the other things like the carrots and everything else in the salad that's going to give you more fiber benefit than the actual lettuce. Or eat five apples. Put five apples in your salad. There you go. Next time on The Lab Report, we're talking organic acids. We, we already did that. Oh. How about mitochondrial dysfunction? Yeah, we did that one. How about we do oxalates? Already did that one. How about polyphenols? Patty, we did that last week. Oh. You've been listening to The Lab Report. If you like what you hear, please subscribe to our podcast, rate us, and leave us a review. To learn more about Genova Diagnostics, visit our website at gdx.net. There you'll find information on specific testing, educational resources, and how to connect with our show. Call us at 1-800-522-4762 or email us at podcast at gdx.net. Here's the thing. If you look at the front of the box of grape nut cereal, it shows all the grape nuts like sitting on top of the milk. Well, that's because the entire bowl is full. Do you know how many grape nuts it would take to get actual grape nuts sitting on top? Of, you'd have to empty the entire box into a bowl. Well, I think they did to try to get the shot, the picture for the front of this cereal box. You know they don't actually use real food when they take photos of these things. Oh, you mean like what they did with the moon landing? Oh, here we go.